This Shabbos, which is Parsh, is actually Bahabachukosai, is Chov Vov Ior. The Sphira is Yisoid Shabi Yisoid, and it happens to be the Yorzeit of Rab Moshe Chaim Lutzato, the Ramchal, is this Shabbos. So what I want to do, because basically uh, the Hashkofa system that I use, obviously, is based on the Ramchal for many, many years and so on. So I want to dedicate this year, Li'iloi Nishmosoi, that the year should be for Aliyah's Neshama of Rab Moshe Ben Yaakov Chai. And um, he should obviously be a Meditz Yosha for all Chai Israel. Anyway, so that's the first idea. <clears throat> that this year is dedicated to Ramchal uh, a couple of days before Ziyotzai. Since Ziyotzai is on Shabbos, therefore I choose to do it now. Now, what I'd like to talk about is basically what is on everybody's mind. What happened on Lagba Ime, which is last Friday, Thursday night, Friday, um, was an unbelievable tragedy. Of course, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people that were crowded together in Meron to celebrate the Yotzite, the day of the passing of Rav Shimon by Yerichai, uh in Meron, where he's buried. And there was a tremendous tragedy, we know, that 45 people died. It's not clear what the circumstances were. However, whatever it was, this tragedy shook the entire Jewish people for many, many reasons. You know, I think one of the things uh, that really uh, moved everybody, it's not just that 45 people were, were killed. And, and many of them were young people, uh, uh, 13-year-olds. I mean, I, I do not know, obviously, who all the people that died. It'll be coming out, obviously, in many reports, in papers, magazines, and so on. But the tragedy was compounded by the fact, like I say, not only because 45 people died and under these circumstances, but it occurred on Lag Boimeh, you see. Uh, when there's such incredible actors and joy unity and joy among the Jewish people. How could this happen? This is on the minds of all Jews. Certainly Jews who are uh, cognizant of the Rabbanu Shalom and his Torah. Now, I'm going to try to explain this event in terms of what I see. Now, remember, I'm not a prophet, I'm not a novi. But I do believe that many times God gives us the hint as to why he does things. So I'm going to speak about what I think happened, why it happened, and what does it mean to us, the Jewish people. First of all, we know one thing. This was a tremendous display of Midas Adin, the attribute of justice. Tremendous display where all of a sudden God decided that whatever happens, whatever iniquities of the Jews, enough is enough. And the Bershom put aside his Rachmonas, his infinite compassion, and he decided to display justice. 
That's really what we're looking at. A tremendous uh, display, like I said, of Bidjus Adin. <clears throat> and obviously it was a tremendous display, you see. Now, we know also that the only reason why, the only way this could happen is there's a tremendous kitro prosecution, obviously. Because the Sutton, who is the Makatre, who is the prosecuting attorney or angel, he is obviously prosecuting. And unfortunately, he won. You know, the Besden, the Heavenly Tribunal, recognized that his accusation is true. And unfortunately and tragically, this is what the Jews deserve on this very day. So let, let us not forget, this is an incredible display of the attribute of justice, moving aside compassion, and of course, to be the result of a tremendous amount of kitrug or prosecution by the Sutton. So what does it leave us, really? Well, what we need to do is see if we can figure out, because there's no Navi or prophet, we can figure out why this happened. And the way we can do it is this, because when the Rosham does something, in terms of using the attribute of justice, it's always meter connected meter, measure for measure. Because measure for measure is true justice. If you do A, then it is not B that happens. It is the opposite of A. And that's true justice. Since you caused this event, which was a sin, then the punishment or the retribution is its opposite as a punishment. That's what meter connected meter means. If you do A, it is the opposite of A or the reverse of A that happens, and not just something else. Notice the consequence always is related in some way to the act or the sin itself. Let's take a look at this event. And I want to say that this event is highly unusual. And I think it will provide us with tremendous clues as to what's going on and what we have to take away from this. You see, because this is not going to go away. The fact that this happened in such a brutal way is something we must understand. It's not a luxury. It's not an option. Okay, let's take a look. First idea that is so bizarre. We're not talking here about Arabs killing Jews, which in many ways, unfortunately and tragi tragically, we are used to, especially in Eretz Israel. We're not talking here about Goyim killing Goyim, killing Jews. We are talking about Jews killing Jews, because that's what happened. The crowd, the huge crowd, moved forward, and I think what was happening is people fell, and then people walked over them, because the people in the back by the crowd didn't know that people had fallen, fallen, and therefore they just kept moving. So ultimately speaking, a Jew is killing a Jew. That's incredible. Not only is a Jew killing a Jew, but these Jews are basically Torah observant. They're Haredim. So you have Haredim, Torah observant Jews, killing Torah observant Jews. I mean, think about that. That's absolutely unimaginable. This is what we're witnessing. Not that, of course that it's okay to kill a Jew if you're not Haredi, of course not. But the fact that the Rabbanisham arranged where Orthodox Jews are killing Orthodox Jews 
he, of course, inadvertently, why? Another idea, question, 45 people? If one Jew had died in the crowd, that would have been an enormous tragedy. tragedy. But 45 people? That's unbelievable. That's the third bizarre aspect of this event. The fourth bizarre aspect, which I had mentioned, is that of all days of the year, when does this happen? On Lag Ba'imah. Lag Ba'imah is a highly unusual day, which we'll talk about. But certainly it's an incredible display of achdus, unity, tremendous joy, where Jews of all walks of life are there to commemorate and celebrate what the contribution of Rabbi Shimon by Yoichai, what his contribution was, you see. So we're talking about, like I said, tremendous amount of unity and achdus on that day. And of course, tremendous amount of joy. I mean, anybody who's been there witnessed the singing and the dancing and the enormous emotional high that everybody experiences in Lag Boima walks away tremendously impressed. It's an extremely rare experience that happens in Eretz Israel. And not only that, that day is so joyous that these uh, that, that this celebration and commemoration happens in many places in the world, certainly all over America, you know, maybe in Europe and so on, because it's a tremendous day of joy and unity of the Jewish people. So that is bizarre. Why this tragedy should happen on Lag Boimah, the Yotzeit of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yoichai. Now, another bizarre aspect is Rabbi Shimon was no ordinary Jew. He was incredible. He and his son, Rabbi Eloza. The Gemara relates that there was no rainbow at all in the entire time of Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Eloza. At all. Now we know why there's a rainbow, because the rainbow is a symbol of the covenant, the agreement between God, the Rabbani Shalom, right, and the world that he will not bring another marble. You see, so whenever you see a rainbow, what you're really seeing is that the Rebbe is bringing the rainbow so you could see that the only reason why he's not destroying the world because it, des- it deserves to be destroyed is because he made an agreement, he swore, of course, that he would not do it again. He would not decimate the entire world. You see, that's what the rainbow is for. You see. Now, it says, therefore, in the day, in generation of Rabbi Shimon, when he lived, there was no rainbow. Why? Because the merit of Rabbi Shimon was so great, and Rabbi Eloza and Rabbi Shimon was so great, that the Rabbi Shimon, there was no, he protected the entire generation from a decree of the Mabal, which could only be prevented because of the agreement that the Rabbi Shimon made with the entire world. You see, and the rainbow is a symbol of that. So therefore, Rabbi Shimon protects the entire world. So the question then is, how is it possible that on Lag Ba'imah, which is his Yotzeit, he couldn't protect the Jews from whatever decree was made by, uh, against the Jews? Very powerful question. In other words, why couldn't Rabbi Shimon protect the Jews? Not only from the tragedy, but the tragedy that was made 
because they all came to commemorate and celebrate his Yurtzeit. I think that is the most, the, the, the most bizarre aspect of the entire tragedy. Also, how did people die? Because the, I, I think people fell, and then people did not realize, and they were, people were pushing, and more people fell over the bodies of people who fell. So after a while, you had bodies piled up, you see? So how, what's the manner of death? Basically, it's asphyxiation. You get crushed, but what you, what you basically what you're really dying of is asphyxiation. You can't breathe. There are so many people on top of you that you cannot breathe. In fact, that's what happens when you are in a tremendous crowd. It's very hard to breathe because people are pushing against you. So can we see something? Is there a hint in the way they died? that they basically died either because they crushed, but mostly because they were asphyxiated. They couldn't breathe. Those are the questions and the aspects of this tragedy, which I believe reveal what happened. This clearly is a national tragedy, you see, and this type of tragedy will never be forgotten. And of course, on every Lag Boima in the future, uh, people will remember this tragedy. No question about that. Okay. Let's see if we can figure out, based on these observations, why this happened. Well, in order to do that, we have to go back 2,000 years to Reb Shimon and his son, Rebbe Eloza, Ben Reb Shimon. There's a story brought down in the Gemara. The following... <clears throat> that Reb Shimon and Reb Yossi and Reb Yehuda were talking amongst each other. These are among the greatest of the sages at that time. They are Tanoim. They are people who are mentioned in Mishnah, which Rabbi HaKodesh, Reb Yehuda Nasi wrote hundreds of times. They are the major transmitters of the oral law. And they are obviously the major leaders of the Jewish people. And they're all Tamidim of Rabbi Akiva. Anyway, they were all sitting together, Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda, and Rabbi Shimon. And they were discussing the Roman government, the, 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 acts, the actions of the Roman government in terms of what they contributed. And Rabbi Yehuda said, well, the Romans, they deserve a lot of credit. Why? Because they built bathhouses, marketplaces, bridges, you know, things that people really benefit from. So therefore, their contributions are very valid. This is what Rabbi Yehuda bar Eli said. Anyway, that's one. Rabbi Yossi heard, and he was silent. Rabbi Shimon heard, and he immediately disagreed with Rabbi Yehuda. And here's what he said. He said, no, of course they, these things benefited uh, society. That's only because that's what the Rabbanishlam does. Even if a person is wicked, he will turn that wickedness into a benefit for society. What was the wickedness of Rome? Because they're into themselves, selfish. All of these things they did in order to collect tax, tolls, you see, tribute, whatever. That's what the Romans were interested. They wanted money and power and control. So they built these things in order to acquire huge wealth. 
this is what Rabbi Shimon. So really what they did is not that it's evil, but they, their intent, of course, was evil in the sense that they want to get wealthy. Fortunately, the Roshim turns that into the benefit for society. This is what Rabbi Shimon said. Now, unbeknownst to all three of them, Rabbi Yehud, Rabbi Yossi, and Rabbi Shimon, Rabbi Shimon's Talmud, Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim, the Talmud of Rabbi Shimon, he overheard the discussion. And then he, he, he told it over to other people, his uh, other students perhaps, his family. And that's what he did. That's what he did, you see. Now, that in itself, okay, that's what happens. He never intended it to go further, obviously, because this kind of statement, this discussion, is incredibly dangerous. And guess what? Somehow, it leaked out to the Romans. This discussion of these three leaders of Jewry, Judaism, leaked to the Romans. And what they did is they decided, we're not talking about three average Jews. These are Jews which are leaders of the Jewish people. And that really concerned them. So therefore, they decreed, the Romans decreed, that Rabbi Yehuda, who praised the Romans, they would honor and elevate him, which is what they did. So he became what's called the Rosh HaMadabram, whatever, which means the major speaker. The second one, Rabbi Yossi, who was silent, they exiled him. They condemned him to exile. Rabbi Shimon, who criticized the Romans, they condemned to death. Can you imagine that? The Roman Empire condemned Rabbi Shimon to death. Obviously, Rabbi Shimon heard, and he fled. So first, he, he, he was in the base medrash where his wife was able to feed him and so on, but obviously that became very difficult. So Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Eloza ber Rabbi Shimon fled to a cave in Pekian, which is in Eretz Israel. It's in the Galil. It's not far, really, from uh, Meron. I saw that cave. It's very interesting. Now, what Rabbanisham did, he, he performed a miracle. Because what was Rabbanisham going to eat? He was in a cave. So Rabbanisham made a tree, a carob tree, a box set called a carob tree, grow miraculously, and a spring of water sprouted miraculously. And believe it or not, Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Eloza, his son, they lived in that cave for 12 years, eating from the carob tree and from the water from the spring, which is astounding. For 12 years, Rabbi Shimon had a hideout so as not to be killed by the Romans. Finally, after 12 years, and by the way, he learned with Eliyahu Hanavi, of course, and basically that's where he completed the Zoya the Kabbalistic text, you see. And not only that, when Rabbi Shimon emerged and Rabbi Eloza emerged, they were unbelievably spiritually great. And you will see that in a moment. Incredible how great they were. Because they had learned Torah in seclusion for 12 years. So they went out. So Elio announced that the, that the Caesar, whoever that was at that time, died. And the decree is now lifted. So Rabbi Shimon and Rabbi Eloza went out of the cave and they began to return, obviously. But while they were coming back, Rabbi Shimon looked and saw people, you know, farmers. You know, they were planting, sowing, and planting, and so on, and plowing and all that. 
So Rabbi Shimon looked at one of these farmers, and he said, I don't understand. How could you give up the life of Ulam Habbo, of Torah, and, and farm, and do this kind of mundane work? Immediately, when he looked at the farmer and he gazed at him, the farmer died. Because these people were, were now so great, so holy, that if they looked at you in a questioning way, or rather in a way which was bad, you were dead. That's how great they were. In any case, immediately a basco came out. The Rabbanishim said, a basco is a divine voice, right, that comes out, that obviously only great people can hear, said, have you come out of seclusion to destroy my world? Go back to the cave. So believe it or not, Rabbi Shimon and Rebbe el had to go back to the cave for another year. Nothing. You I was doing it right here. Mute yourself. They had to go back to the cave for another year. Then again they went out, and obviously they had cooled off, so to speak, and that was okay. And uh, Rapinchas ben Yoir, it's not clear if he was the father-in-law of Rav Shimon or the son-in-law of Rav Shimon. But whatever he was, it says that before Rav Shimon went into the cave, uh, if Rav Shimon would ask Rav Pinchas ben Yor, who was known famous miracle worker, then the Pinchas ben Yor would be able to answer Rav Shimon's questions with, I don't recall how many, either seven or 13 answers. When Rav Shimon left the cave, if Rav Pinchas ben Yoya was asked him a question, he was now able to answer Rav Pinchas ben Yoya with, again, either seven or 13 answers. That's how great Rav Shimon was, you see, after the cave. We have no, uh, we have no imagination of what he and his son were. In any case, <clears throat> um, so they were able to return. Now, this is a very important story, you see. Why? Because what cut Rab Shimon in, 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 in trouble? Now, now, it's true, it's interesting that Rab Shimon was right, that the Romans do things for evil, but God takes their actions and makes it come out good. And he was right. The Romans wanted to kill Rab Shimon. That was the evil. God turned it into good because, because Rab Shimon was in the cave for 12 years or 13 years, he was able to compose the Zoya. And he became incredibly great in Ruchnius, you see. So he was right. They wanted to do evil, but God made it that the whole Judaism, all Jews, would benefit from his incredible uh, spiritual height. Which is interesting that in uh, the story itself, that he was that he was uh, right. In any case, uh, what was the problem here? And this is very important to know. The problem was, is Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim did a terrible mistake. Why? There's a thing called rechilus information. In other words, if somebody says something to you, if A says something to B, right, about, let's say, C. A is talking to B, right, about C. And A says to B, do you know what C said about you? Or what C did to you? And let's assume it was a very bad deed, okay? Let's say A says to B, C is, is, is bad-mouthing you, degrading you in front of many people. What do you think is going to happen to C, the receiver? 
he's going to hate C. This is called Rechilus. You see? When you tell somebody what somebody is doing to them, and they are the victim, the receiver is the victim, that's called Rechilus, which, which generates enormous hatred, even death. In any case, you see, and that is forbidden. But what, what is also forbidden is not only to say it to, to be what C did to be, but even if you know what C did to be, right, you're not allowed to forget about saying it to be. You really don't want to say it to anybody. Why? Because if you tell anybody, let's say D, who has nothing to do with C and B, you never know. It may leak from D, right, to B. And he will find out what C did to him. You see? So that's called Rechilus ready information. That if somebody did something bad to another person and you know about it, of course you can't say it to the victim. But you, you really cannot say it at all, basically, right? Because that may leak to the victim himself, you see, which is B. Any case, so what Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim should have realized is that he has information about what Rabbi Shimon said that could kill Rabbi Shimon if the Romans find out. And that's Rechilus. Because if you tell the Romans what Rabbi Shimon said about them, that's Rechilus. To Goyim, especially. And that may kill Rabbi Shimon. Because we know what the government, the Roman government is. Therefore, this is Rechilus ready information. And Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim should never have said anybody. So obviously he did. And of course, and that's the fear. It leaked out to the Romans. That's exactly what the fear is. You see, in any case, it comes out that the reason why Rav Shimon had to run away was because of Rechilus, Lashon Hara, you see. That's, so it could have killed Rav Shimon and destroyed him. Of course, God made it where it became an incredible benefit to the Jewish people, but it was tremendously forbidden for him to have said anything. So, of course, what happens is Rav Shimon meets Rabbi Yehuda ben who, by the way, was a basic student of Rabbi Shimon, and he looked at him, which is bad news, and he said, you mean this person is still alive? And immediately the Gemara says that Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim turned to a heap of bones. He died immediately. This is Rabbi Shimon. But in many ways, Rabbi Shimon was right, because what he did is he caused Rabbi Shimon to have a death sentence on him. And therefore, Rabbi Shimon said, Basically, therefore, your Rechilus deserves, you deserve to die because you put me in a death sentence. In any case, what do we see? A very important idea that Rabbi Shimon's life was turned around almost in a terrible way, if not for the Rabbi Shimon's intervention. He could have had him killed. See? Therefore, Rabbi Shimon is incredibly sensitive to Russian horror, slander, and Rechilus which is informing. That's what we see. Because this so impacted his life. Not only that, we find Rabbi Shimon says also, to Yerushalmi uh, in Brochus, very interesting, he says, if I had been there by Matan Torah, I would have begged the Rabbanisham to create man with two mouths. Why? Since the Torah was given by Matan Torah, let, let him have one mouth, right, where he will learn Torah, because Torah is learned with the mouth, and let him have a second mouth for communications, which is what speech is all about. That's what Rabbi Shimon actually said. It's an agadita. 
So Rabbi Shimon, however, retracted that. Why? Because he said that people with one mouth speak so much lush and horror, which the world cannot really sustain. Could you imagine if they had two mouths, how much lush and horror they would speak? Again, there's a statement by Rabbi Shimon about lush and horror. Why? Because not only it's awesome in the Torah, it's forbidden according to the Torah, but it's so impacted its life. You see, what do we therefore see? That the sin of Russian horror, which in many ways kills people, you see, I believe is why these Jews died. Not these Jews in particular, but why it happened. Unlike Bohemia, let me explain. What I had said is that Jews killing Jews. Russian horror can kill people. It will destroy a reputation. It will destroy their ability to make a living, right? It will ostracize them for society. It will destroy them, you see? And we, many times we see, unfortunately, on the Internet, where somebody would badmouth and gossip and slander somebody else, and everybody, and, and, and with the Internet, it can go out to a million people at one time. And that person's life would be ruined because how is he going to defend himself? He doesn't know who's listening right? There are people that commit suicide because they have been destroyed and degraded and denigrated on the internet. So, lush and horror clearly can kill you. This is, if not, uh, even if it doesn't kill you, it will, can destroy your life. We cannot even count the amount of people that have been destroyed financially or in any many, many ways, or even literally uh, kill them because of the slander and the defamation of people about others. And this is exactly what happened to Reb Shimon. Therefore, unfortunately, I believe that the, the Jews are tremendously guilty of Lashon Hora and Rechilos. That's what they're guilty of. So, so Midas Adin, so the Satan was saying, look what these people are doing. These people are dancing with Simcha and unity and joy. Come on. They go home and they talk Russian horror. And they harm enormous amount of people. What kind of a business is this? So the Mida Kineged Mida said, well, you're right. If they engage, you see, because without that Kitrug, without, they would, uh, Bezin would not, the Heavenly Tribunal would not have judged them. But since you have that, this is what happened. So therefore, the Bezin said, well, you're right, the Sutton. And therefore, they are speaking of Shonor and Chilos. Therefore, that will kill Jews. Then that's exactly what it is. Jews will kill Jews. And that is the incident in Meron. And that's what I said. There you find Jews killing Jews. And you find Orthodox Jews killing Orthodox Jews. Why? Because their Lashonara is incredibly harmful. Why? Because they know the Torah and they are commanded not to speak slander. You not go as a slanderer amongst your people. They are Torah observant. They should know better, you see. And we don't even know how much Lashon Hora and Rechidus is spoken by all Jews. Forget about the whole world. They are steeped in Lashon Hora through newspapers and magazines and books and talk radio and so on. We cannot even imagine how much Lashon Hora, slander and defamation is talking about. But unfortunately and tragically, Jews speak a tremendous amount of Lashon Hara, either through emails, 
to messaging, text messaging, right, or, uh, or in shul, unfortunately, or between neighbors or whatever, or on the Internet. The Internet is one of the greatest killing devices ever made because it can destroy you, and you, you can't even respond to it. So that's one. And the, and the second thing is Lashonar creates enormous amount of sinas chinam, baseless hatred. And we know that the second base Hamidish was destroyed because of sinas chinam, you see. So therefore, I believe that was the decree. That they who speak Lashonara, Lachilos, informing, you see, so much defamation, which kills people, therefore God said enough is enough, and therefore this tragedy happened where Jew kills Jew. Now, why these 45 people? I'm not in any way implying that they are guilty of Lashon Hara. No way. However, we don't know why God picked them at all. They, on the contrary, I think they were holy people. But God used them as sacrifices, you see, to quiet the tremendous prosecution of the Sultan. And it not, they have nothing to do with the sin, but we don't know why. They have their own cheshben or reckoning of why God does things. But for whatever idea, they were chosen to be the sacrifices, the korbonas for Christ Yisrael. And I believe this is why it happened. It is a tremendous oinish punishment for the sin of Lashon Hara, Rechilus, gossip, defamation, which is Shemra, slander, you see. Now, what's interesting also is why now, because think about it, Israel has been involved in elections, failed elections for two years, you see. Do you know how much Lashon Hara is spoken about during election time in Israel? I mean, this has been going on for two years where they have failed to put together a coalition. And that has its own ideas to stop the era of Rab from controlling and ruling. But in any case, there's a tremendous amount of Lashon Hara and defamation and so on spoken during elections. This has been going on for two years. That's besides the regular Lashon Hara and the Internet, right? Which is the major device today for the spread of Lashon Hara, you see. So, as I say, Rabbi, there's a there tremendous amount a lot of Lashon Hara. Of- there was what? also a lot of Rashon Hara this year from COVID with all, they were blaming all the religious, that they were the spreaders, and they kept Yes, on but hold on. I don't, want to skip, I don't want to lose my train of thought. Okay. Okay. Uh, say that when we have questions, okay? In any case, this is why I believe it happened. It's a midah connected midah, measure for measure. You kill people figuratively and literally, by lush and horror, right? By slander and by defamation, right? And by informing, which is Masira. This is what you do. Therefore, I'm going to take a segment of Christ's will, 45 people, and they will be sacrificed. As, and this is in lieu of destroying Christ's will, you see. So I believe this is basically why it happens, and it answers the questions. Why this happened? Why Jews kill Jews? Why Haredim are killing 45 people? And why it happens on Lag Bahima? And one of the reasons why, which I just said, because Reb Shimon is incredibly sensitive to Lashon Hara, because that's what almost killed him, you see? And on Lag Bahima is when the Jews display such actus unity and joy. So God says, what are you doing? 
you are displaying actors and joy, and then you go home and you destroy people? This is hypocrisy, you see. So it happens on the very day to indicate that it's a hypocrisy, really. Stop talking us and on killing everybody, you see. This is the idea. And why is it that Rabbi Shimon cannot protect? It happens on his, your side. Because Rabbi Shimon himself, what's he going to say? And I'm going to explain even further. What you can say, he himself was almost killed because of the Lashonara of Rabbi Yehuda ben Gerim. So what, what is he going to say? He's incredibly sensitive to what this thing does. So obviously, therefore, I believe, part of the reason anyway, he failed to counter the prosecution of the Sultan. You see. Now, what is it about Lashon Hara? What Lashon Hara does, it opens up the Kitrug. It opens up the prosecution, which I once gave a whole sheer about, which means that if you speak Lashon Hara, slander, if you slander somebody, then the Sultan has a right to slander you. And his slander is called a prosecution. 95% of the problems a person has is because he has enabled the Sultan to prosecute him because he has spoken Lashon Hara. And then measure for measure, you condemn others, then the Sultan can condemn you. It's a very important principle that most of the reasons why bad things happen to Jew is because he spoke Lashon Hara. He enabled, therefore, the Sultan to speak Lashon Hara against him, which, of course, is a prosecution. And therefore, he's found guilty, and, of course, therefore, he's punished. So, Lashon Hara has the un- and, and Rechilis, of course, and Mitzi Shemra, defamation, they have the unique ability to open up the judgment against any Jew that utters it, you see. <clears throat> so that's very important. Now, if that's the case, it's very important to understand. One of the reasons why the Mashiach cannot come, and the Chofetz Chaim says this in the Sefer Shmir Salashim, is because Jews are constantly talking Lashon Hara. What does that mean? <clears throat> Therefore, they are always exposing their sins to the Sultan, because that's what Lashon Hara does. They expose their sins to the Sultan. So therefore, the Sultan is always prosecuting them. So if he's always prosecuting them, then how can the Mashiach come? You see, now there's a great deal to talk about that, but this is a basic understanding, that the Mashiach does not come, and the Chavz Chaim says this, because of the enormous amount of Lashon Hara, you see which is a very important concept, you see. Now, I had mentioned on a shir in Lag, about Lagboima the concept of Yudches Iyo, which is Lagboima, the 18th day of Iyo, which is Lagboima. And I mentioned something very important, that that day, Yudches Iyo, the 18th day of Iyo, which is Lagboima, right, is propitious is a segula for the messianic light to come. Why? Because I had mentioned, if you recall, that Rabbi Yeshua says, it's an argument between Rabbi Yeshua and Rabbi Eliezer, when the world was created, or when the first man was created. So Rabbi Yeshua says that the world was created, right, on the 25th day of Ador, and therefore Rosh Chodesh Nisan is when Odom Arishan was created. You see? And we know, right, that the Torah says that the Mabel happened, right, in the 18th day of the second month. Well, according to Yeshua, 
the marble then happened on Lag Baimah. Because Eeyore is the second month of the year, because he says it was created on Meshchidesh Nisan or Chofei Ado, right? And as a result of the fact that it was created then, the second month is Eeyore, and the 18th day of that month is when it's like Boima. It comes out, which I had mentioned, is that <clears throat> the marble was on that day, according to Rabbi Yeshua. But I had mentioned what the marble really is. The marble was really what the Rabbanish wanted to do, is after 10 generations, he wanted to bring the Geula, the redemption to mankind, the Tikkun, you see. 10 generations is a Tikkun for the 10 spheres. Right? So he wanted to bring the Omashiach, but instead, because of the, the world had reached Memtesh Shari Toma, 49 levels of evil, as a result of that, water, instead of the Orishan, the Messianic light coming down, it was changed to its physical counterpart called water. And the entire earth was destroyed with water, which should have been the saturation of the Messianic light. And that's why it says the windows of heaven and the deep abyss, they opened up. And that's what the Omashiach really is, you see. So it comes out that the 18th day of Eeyore, according to Rabbi Yeshua, right, was the, should have been the Messianic light. And that's like Boimah, Rabbi Shimon. In fact, he indicates that he began the Messianic light because the Zohar is really what? It's Kabbalah, and Kabbalah is the surface of the Messianic light. You see, the Omashiach. Therefore, that day was propitious. Tremendous segula for the Oma Shiach to come, you see. So on that day, this happened. Why? Because what the Bosham is saying, or the Sutton is saying, whatever, is that on the contrary, this Lagbaima Mashiach should have come. But what stops him? Russian horror. So what you've done is you failed to use a day that could bring the Mashiach because of all the Russian horror speak, spoken by so many Jews. Therefore, on that day, was the oinish, was the punishment. And that's also why Reb Shimon could not protect the Jewish people. Because not only is he sensitive to Lashon Hara, which almost killed him, but also the day of his death is a day, right, that should have been a day of messianic redemption. But it wasn't. Why? Because they speak Lashon Hara. And that stops the Mashiach. And as a result of that, what can Reb Shimon say? You see, on his day itself, Mashiach could have come, unlike Bohemia, you see, because that is the day that the Messianic light was supposed to have come down, said it was the marble. So that's another idea why he cannot, couldn't protect, because of the Russian horror on that day stops the Mashiach from coming. Let's take a look. <clears throat> Rabbi Akiva, the Gemara says that 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva Right, died between the second day of Pesach and Lagbaima. Can you imagine? Twenty four thousand students of Rabbi Akiva. Why? So the Gemara says, because they did not treat each other with honor and respect. Which is terrible when you think about that. However, when you think about that, the the Mashor, the great commentary in the back of the Gemara and the Chaim, both say that what killed the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva is not, not just Leinuagu. What that did is, of course they did not treat each other with honor, but what they did is they spoke Russian horror about the students. 
Each student spoke Russian horror about other students. That's what killed them. And what the Gemara says is interesting. The Mashor brings this out because it says that these students died, students died because of Askara, a plague of Askara. Askara is a breathing disorder. That's right. It's a respiratory disorder that kills you. Some people think it's diphtheria, but whatever it is, it's a breathing disorder where you can't breathe. And of course, that's measure for measure because you use your breath speaking to speak Russian horror. Therefore, the measure for measure, you will, you will be denied breath. That's the meter connected meter. What we see, therefore, something very interesting is that many times respiratory illness that stops the person from breathing, that is an oinish for Russian horror. Isn't that amazing? And now let's go back. Two points. One is that people died because it's not just they were, they were crushed, but because they couldn't breathe. Isn't that the same as Askara? They can't breathe. Why? Because that's the Oynish of Russian horror, just like the students of Rebbe Akiva. And not only that, COVID. How does COVID kill a person? It stops you from breathing. In fact, that's how most people die. They need ventilators. And if they don't get it, they're dead. And even with it, many of them die. COVID is a respiratory illness where you can't breathe. That's the modern-day form of Askarov. Again, but the whole world is filled with COVID. Why? Because we cannot even believe the amount of slander, gossip, defamation, denigration, informing of what goes on in this world. I mean, the Internet is filled with that. Magazines, newspapers, talk show, radio, television, you name it. The world is in, enveloped in an incredible party, so to speak, of, of, of slander. And that's why one of the reasons why COVID is killing everybody, because of Russian horror. Now, it's interesting that the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva stopped dying unlike Bohemia. You know, it's the reason why they died is because of Russian horror, as I pointed out that the Mashah and the Kovach Chaim say that. And that's why they died of Askara, which is the punishment for speaking forbidden speech, Lashon Hara and Mechilis and so on. But they stopped dying on Lashon Hara, uh, on Magba Imer. How do we understand that? And the answer is because in a certain sense, right, they were dying because of Lashon Hara, but since they started dying before, then Lagba then Imer became uh, a refuah, you see, it was the kapora. Now that the day that the Mashiach has to come, right? So that still has a schus that the Messianic light can come. And since the Jews already had a tremendous oinish with the death of the students of Rabbi Akiva, therefore it could stop. But what stops the oinish? It has to be a Messianic day. And in that merit, it stopped because the Jews had suffered for five weeks terrible what was going on you see so sometimes we see that like Boimah is the reverse in other words if a person is uh, speaks Lashonara and he's punished then sometimes like Boimah can actually stop the pandemic or, or whatever or these the plague and, and so on now I had mentioned that this year is dedicated to Ramchal 
Yisoyed Shabi Yisoyed, you see. And there's, Ram, Ramchal has a certain uh, uh, teaching, which is in the Tikkunim Chadoshim. Ramchal wrote a sefer called the Tikkunim Chadoshim, which is written in Aramaic, that has an incredible amount of profound secrets. One of them is he actually reveals what Russian heart does, Kabbalistically. And I would like to tell you, and this is also one of the reasons why Mashiach doesn't come. And this statement comes from the Tikkunim Chadoshim, Right? The new rectifications, safer written by Rabbi Moshe Chaim The body itself represents the structure of creation. Since creation has ten spheres, right? Therefore, the body itself has ten parts. Okay? The head has three, which is Kesser, Chochman, Bina, because there are three brains, right? Cerebrum, Cerebellum, and the medulla, okay, three brains, so that's Kesed, Chokman, Bina. Then you have Chesed and Gevura, which is the right hand, right arm, and the left arm. You have Teferis, which is the torso. Then you have the right leg and left leg, which is Netzach and Hoid. And then you have the genital area, which is Yesoid and Malchus. But the Ramchal says that besides the fact uh, that the body has ten parts, which are counterpoints to the ten spheres, because the body is the model of creation. That's why we are at Selim Kim. In any case, the head also has ten. Because the head is the major part of the body. So it itself has ten, ten parts which resemble the spheres. What are they? Well, you have again the three brains, which is Keser, Chochman, Bina. Right? You have the two ears. That's five. Then you have the two eyes, which is seven. Then you have the nose, which is eight, and the mouth and the tongue, which is nine and ten. So the Ramchal says that the mouth and the tongue are represent the sphera of Yesoid and Malchus. Now Yesoid takes from the energy, the incredible divine energy of all the upper nine, and pours it into the tenth, which is Malchus. And that energizes the entire creation, you see. So the Ramchal says something absolutely stunning, that when somebody talks Russian horror, since he uses his mouth, which is the tongue and the what, and the, and the mouth itself, right, that blocks, because of that sin, you see, of Russian horror, that actually blocks the energy going from Yesoid into Malchus. It's blocked. And therefore, that's why Lashonara is so damaging. Because instead of the divine energies, the holiness, pouring from Yisoy to Malchus, which is the tongue and the mouth, you see, instead of that happening, and therefore there's tremendous blessing to the world, Lashonara destroys those two places in the head, which represent those two spheres. They destroy the flow. It's blocked. And therefore, Lashonara, in many ways, stops the incredible divine energy and not only that but if the energy is stopped guess where it goes it goes to the sultan which i once spoke about and so on so he now has the energy so he is able to destroy enormous places in the world think about that the whole concept which i had spoken before the whole concept of yesoid into malchus really is the pekidah of the mashiach ben yosef because what happens is, Yisoid, 
now joins with Malchus, and therefore the Echido, which is the the messianic soul of the Mashiach, is able to flow to the Mashiach ben Yosef. That's called the Pekido. But wait a minute. If Lashon Hara stops that flow, so that means there's no Pekido, because that's the whole point, is that the energy should flow from Yosef and the Malchus, they join together, and that releases what's called the, the incredible messianic neshama, called the Yechido, which is the fifth highest part of the neshama of Adam Arishim, and it stops that from flowing to Mashiach ben Yosef, you see, and also, of course, Mashiach ben David. So that also is a way that the whole Geula, the redemption, is stopped. <coughs> you see, so when you put, this is what Ramchal says, it's an incredible revelation, secret revelation, of why Lashon Hara is so damaging on a Kabbalistic sphere. What do we see there for, Right? We now understand. This, as far as I, I, and this is what I say. The fact how they died, tragically, those 45 people, how they died, in many ways, reveals why they died, or what the Oynish is, I should say, the Kaisel. Remember, I have to repeat, they, they didn't die because of themselves. We don't know why God chose them. I believe they must have been Sadiqim. They were Korbanus, like Nodav and Aviyu. They died, did they deserve to die? Well, on a certain level, yes, right? But they provided an incredible kapora, which is a, an atonement for the Jewish people. So I believe these people also were like Nodav and Aviyu. But for the rest of the Jewish people, it was absolutely terrible, you see? And I believe it's because of the tremendous sin of Lashnara which is slander, Rechilus, which is informing, Meitzi Shemna, which is defamation, I believe that those types of forbidden speech is destroying the Jewish people. Therefore, we must take, we must think about that. Lashon Hora is what's stopping the Mashiach. And I believe this tragedy is the punishment for the Lashon Hora, unfortunately, uh, of the Jewish people. So therefore, it is incumbent upon us to be so careful, to learn the laws of Lashon Hara, to spread this idea, very important. And therefore, as a result of that, I believe the Rabbi Hashem wants to bring the Mashiach now, not later, for reasons that I've talked about in previous lectures and so on. But he needs people to stop speaking Lashon Hara, to do that. So, can you imagine in order to stop, to wake them up, he had to uh, to perform this terrible tragedy on Lag Ba'imah, terrible, in order to stop speaking from speaking Russian, uh, people from speaking Russian horror. So therefore, one must learn the laws of Russian horror. One must have to, one must have to commit, be very careful, and to talk about it. Shmir Salashin is very important, and that's what will bring the Mashiach. This is my interpretation and understanding of what is going on, and I believe it is correct. Any questions? Did everybody understand this year? Do you believe that the police deliberately planned this? Uh, What did you say? Do you believe that the police 
deliberately planned this because there were videos that that were showing how you know they that they they wouldn't let them leave even though they saw what was going on and the night before they took out all the cameras and I I, you know. I can look I I don't really know the exact event itself that is obviously being investigated I have no idea but my gut feeling they is I do not the believe that was usually I, open. I, I people well, you know, people may hate Haredim. Fine. That's one thing. That's terrible. But I don't believe that a Jew wants to kill another Jew. I don't believe that. Well, not all if, of the if police at all, are wait, if, if the police in any way are guilty, and I have no idea if they are, for anything, it was because of gross negligence. What they should have had, which is what I think, but not really knowing the event itself, but just my thought is that they should have been loudspeakers, megaphones. Because the most dangerous thing about a crowd is when the crowd starts to rush. Why? Because somebody is always going to fall. And therefore, at that point, people start falling over this person, you see. And everybody in, uh, in the back of the crowd doesn't know, and they just keep pushing forward. The way to stop that crowd control is you need a megaphone where somebody says everybody must immediately stop because somebody has fallen, and therefore people can get killed. I don't, I don't know if they had that at that point, you see, so I don't know. But I, I believe there had Rabbi, to be negligence for this. Yes. But, Rabbi, you know what happened? There was a gate on the bottom of the hill that's always open, and this year they closed it. So the people on the top were telling people to move back, and when they weren't, they were pushing, and the people in the back were getting crushed against the wall. And that's how it happened. And this is the first time in history it was ever locked. And the Why police, did they lock And it? they kept the police and open up. And so what? people were getting, their bones were getting crushed. You know, people, some people were not recognizable. Wow. I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's to you, we, I, I cannot comment. I don't really know the event. But if that happened at all... It was gross incompetence and negligence for which they should be held totally accountable. But I don't know if they, I cannot say that they did this on purpose at all. I, I do not believe Rabbi, that a Jew will willingly kill another Jew. Yeah. The problem is, Rabbi, is that not, I mean, they, I saw literal videos. The police were beating up the, the Haredim that night. Like they were, they were dressed, they were Hasidim that were, they were police. <sighs> that were dressed up as Hasidim, and they were pushing them and stopping them from going. I don't know. Look, I hear what you're saying. I don't know if that's true. I have no idea. I cannot comment I mean, on I something I don't know. people that were there were posting, so I was watching. I'm hoping that will, there will be a complete and total investigation. Amen. Amen. And whoever is guilty should be severely punished because it resulted in the death of 45 people. But I hope that Israel is honest enough and the police department is honest enough to recognize that it's possible that they were major contributors to this disaster and catastrophe. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I hope they have the honesty, integrity to stand up and say, if it was, which I don't know, that it's our fault or whatever, or partially whatever, but I don't know. Like I say, I have to wait for the investigation what, what they will say. My comment is not the, on the event itself. It's on the meaning of the event in heaven. And that's what we have to take away. 
That is the essential message. Not to speak Lashon Hara, because that is preventing the uh, Geula, the redemption from happening. You see. Is it possible any of these Nishamot that passed away were Gilgulim from his uh, students that had passed away? If it's possible, maybe. I don't know. Rabbi, is it true that um, in every generation there's like 15 Sadiqim live Chutzah for in Yerushalayim and another 30 outside? And it's very interesting that 45 is the number of the total Sadiqim that were killed. 45 were killed where? No, like the number of people that died were 45 people. And I always learned that there always has to be to keep the world continuing. 45 Sadiqim, 30 are either in Israel and... Uh, well, that's so Lamed Vav, right? Not 45, right? That's Lamed Vav, 30 Sadiqim. Does that have something to do with it? No. What would you say? There are 36 people, Lamed Vav Sadiqim, that sustain the entire world. Oh, 30, 40, oh 36? Not 45, 36. I'm involved. That's okay. Wow. So, Rabbi, what was that um, Gemara that was going around about uh, uh, about the Nesidra Rabba? About what? From the Sidra oh. Rabba. No, no, the Idra Rabba is a section of the Zohar that is, is incredibly mystical and Kabbalistic. So th- there is a story there, actually, uh, uh, Reb Shimon, uh, the Idurab is, uh, is the chamber, the, uh, the great chamber or whatever, the great uh, assemblage, whatever, and uh, he was uh, expounding on incredible secrets of Kabbalah, and he expected Elio Hanovi to be there, because he was very familiar with him, obviously, very friendly, and whatever, they had a whole different relationship. But in any case, uh, so Elio did show up, and, and, and Elio said, by the way, I, I wanted to come earlier, but I, was, I had to save Rav Hamnuna Sovo, one of the great sages, because he was imprisoned by the Romans. So I had to go and save him. I was commanded by God, by the Rabbanishlam, to save him. So what did I do? You know, I went there, and I pushed the wall down, and it killed 45 Romans. And I was able to save him. That's the Idra Rabba, that Zoya, you see. So where they get that, you use that uh, just as a number because 45, I don't see any connection. Because it said something like Rabbi Shimon Barachai in it. Yeah, yeah. yeah but uh, like I say, it was, uh, you know, it was an attempt. The, the 45 people that were killed were the Romans, not 45 Jews. And this was Elio Anovi saving Rav Hamnuna Sova. You know, um, they, they, they were looking at one of the, the boys, the, one of the, the men, um, Sidurim, that um, passed away. Um, yeah. And in, his, and in his Sidur, hold on, I want to read it to you what it said. Um, on, on top of the Sidur, it Right. No, because he was pulling out uh, uh, articles from the newspaper. Right. 
And where did what did it say in there? I forgot. Tell him. It was Elohai Neshama, and on top of the Elohai Neshama, he. Let me find it because I don't want to say something that's wrong. Um, I don't know where it was. Um, hold. Okay, whatever. Here, so basically this boy, um, he was a victim of the Mehran, and um, he stuck a few quotes from the newspapers in his tidur over the morning that he passed, before he passed away, to pray for the neshama. And before Elohai neshama shenatata bi, he wrote, Chazar mi meron halach lishon velo kam. And then under Elohai neshama, he wrote, Bnei berak bachur ben twani nimsa bemitato lelo ruach And basically he is also that same, uh, he's 27 he also woke up and he didn't, he, he, you know, he passed away. He almost, okay. It was almost prophetic. Yeah. Okay. I'm not familiar with that. Look, I'm sure that uh, in this tragedy, there are people that easily could have been killed and somehow they were spared. Rabbi, you know that they were investigating. I saw videos. They were investigating the, you know how they make um, uh, um, sort of like uh, two two tiers so that people can stand up on the top and dance and then the lower level. So um, they were investigating just the barricades to see how it was made. They said they were showing how frail that it was made that they said it was a nest gadol that the thousands of people that were jumping on there didn't fall, that it yeah. should have been a, ma- a much worse disaster, that oh, yeah. Hashem really, really spared us, that it was going to be much worse because they were checking to see the stability, and it was so frail that oh, they yeah. don't know how yeah. more so to the, the, there you have the tremendous compassion of the Rabbani Shlodim, yeah. that even when yeah. there's din, judgment, the Rebbe takes the the minimal amount to satisfy the judgment. So there's yeah. no question that there were many, probably many stories of people that were saved wherever uh, because the Rebbe needs, he knows exactly how many people he has to take to satisfy the judgment, justice. So there's no question that there was tremendous compassion. Look, all these stories will come out in the investigation this week and next week and so on. I mean, uh, this is a major uh, uh, catastrophe for the entire Jewish people because it is so bizarre and so unusual. They were found, the police were found removing all the cameras the night before from all of Mehran. And people were asking, why would you take out the cameras considering that there's a mega event tomorrow and they need it, and they didn't listen, and they were just being nasty, and they removed every camera in all of Mehran very, very conveniently. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. That makes sense, because those cameras also would have identified any type of terrorist. Exactly. So that exactly. makes no sense at all. That's why you need cameras, you know, in different places to find out if there is a terrorist attack, who did it?
So how could you remove the cameras? I, I find that hard to believe. It doesn't make any sense. It's against the whole concept of cameras. I don't know. Yeah, you really have to wait for an, a, a real investigation of what, what happened. Rabbi, yeah. anyway. moving, moving forward, yeah. with, let's say with Shavuot and just with life in general, if, if Hashem is upset with us and wouldn't bring the Mashiach because of Lashon Hara and is, is now the judgment um, like quieted down so that we still have the ability for Mashiach to come? Oh yeah, yeah. Because remember, every, uh, that type of an oinish, a punishment, you know, a disaster for the Jews satisfies the judgment. That's why it happens. You know, look, there's a tremendous need to satisfy judgment. And that's what God wants to do. So, of course, he always mixes it with tremendous compassion, you see. But you cannot move forward unless justice is satisfied. Because that's the decree, you see. So, therefore, once this happens, it's like Rabbi Akiva's Talmudim. They all stop dying on Lag Bohemia, you see, because it happened. There's a tremendous punishment for the Jewish people that 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, therefore denying them all the Torah of these 24,000 students. Could you imagine denying that well, how much more Torah we would have had had 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva lived, you see? And it also endangered the whole transmission process and it would also could have destroyed Rabbi Akiva. Imagine if somebody works to have a yeshiva has 24,000 students, and the whole thing is finished in five weeks, could have easily destroyed Rabbi Akiva emotionally. But fortunately, it didn't, you see. But once it happened, and, and you should know, we suffer from that, the 24,000 students of Rabbi Akiva, like I said, because we have been denied all that terror. It will not appear until Mashiach comes. But once the judgment has been satisfied, then it's over. It's, we find that by Marcus. Right? A person is obligated to receive, right, 39 lashes, right? And then it says, You know, whatever, that, you know, then your, uh, your brother will be cleansed. He will be, you know, uh, he, that's it. He suffered, and now he's, uh, he's back to normal. Hopefully he won't do it again. Same idea. You know, once this happens, there's no question that we can move forward. But I, I believe a lot of the forward movement has to be in some way tshuva on Lashon Hara. Well, you know, we don't realize that what the internet has done, it has given us, it has given people, or everybody, Jews, Goyim, an unbelievable death instrument to kill everybody. That's what it's done. We don't realize how much Lashon Hara defamation, slam defamation, is spoken on the internet. And, and people are fools. They believe anything they read. You know, it's the old story. Whatever's in print is holy. <clears throat> you know, they believe this nonsense. So we don't even know how many reputations, you know, have been destroyed. How much poverty it has caused people. Because now they can't make a living, you know. And I believe something also which is interesting, right? You, do you notice that what God is doing in America... He is curtailing speech. People are realize, you know, because now all of a sudden you can't say what you want to say or you get fired, right? You actually have a tremendous attack 
on the freedom of speech, the Constitution, First Amendment. Isn't that interesting? Why? Because well, what God is trying to do is you, you need to stop speaking forbidden speech. So he's actually have to have it, having the government of America, you know, and, the, and, and so on, and big tech, and what do you call it, and uh, social sites and all that, they are curtailing speech. Could you imagine that God wants so much to stop Lashonara that he's actually using the government of America? They are violating the Constitution to stop people from speaking. Now, part of that is to stop people from speaking Lashonara. Think about that. We never saw an attack on freedom of speech, the First Amendment, the Bill of Rights, the Constitution. We never saw that. Why is that happening? Because this, in many ways, I'm not saying they're right in doing this at all. Don't get me wrong. But I'm saying this seems to be part of a divine agenda that speech has to be curtailed because it's out of hand. People destroy other people. They don't even think about what their words can do. You see? So I believe this is part of a divine plan. But I'm not saying in any way that Twitter or Facebook or any of these people are right. They're wrong, you see? But I believe that God is allowing this to happen because the Rebunishim will do anything to stop the rampant, pervasive, global plague of Lashonara. It's incredible what's going on. Now, for Jews, it's worse because you don't, the Mashiach doesn't come because of Lashonara. So it comes out that we ourselves are stopping the gula. I mean, it's what the Chavetz Chaim says many times in the uh, Sefer Shmir Salasan. You see? So anyway, that's an observation on current events. That part of it is to try to stop the enormous amount of forbidden speech. You see? It's amazing when you think about that. Most people don't get the, they don't connect it to Lashon Hara. I mean, God willing, this class will reach a lot of people, but most people won't connect it to Lashon Hara, and they won't stop. They won't connect what? This tragedy. Oh, yeah, of course not. Okay, yeah, so then... Th- that's why, yeah, that's why, uh, you know, I, I really have to thank you women for the opportunity of getting it out. This has to get out, of course. Every Jew has to understand that we are stopping the Mashiach because we don't stop the Lashon Hara and the Rechilas. We don't stop. You know? That's right. Well, Rabbi, was the, I think the biggest Lashon Hara that really, as I was saying, was in Israel, the, the worst thing was how they kept on blaming the Haredim for COVID and it was always blaming the religious and everything was, you know, the liberal people in Israel were, yes. the Arab Rab were, targeting all anything religious they were targeting and it brought such hatred amongst the Jews. Yes. It's incredible what is going on in Israel. And nobody cares. It's astounding. What you and what you point out correctly, there's such sinner hatred of Haredim. But it's not just Haredim. You know, unfortunately Haredim themselves have sinner towards somebody other Haredim, if you don't believe in the same Rebbe, or, or whatever, you know? We, we don't realize how much Russian horror and sinner, baseless hatred, 
is, is happening in the state of Israel. But it's true. One of the worst cases is what's going on with the anti-Haredi movement. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But they don't realize it's not Lashon Hara, it's Moitzi Shemra, because it's false. Not only is it defamation, which itself would be Lashon Hara, Lashon Hara is Lashon even if it's true, but it's not even true. All of this is rumors, tremendous amount of, you know, of, of a speech, which is false. It's not even true, you see. And nobody, and nobody seems to be able to stop it. Tragically, God needs to bring an event like this, you know, to stop it, you know. So I, I feel that this year, I hope it gets out to all Jews. Amen. They have to stop and think. Okay, we so are killing ourselves. Rabbi, we are destroying so the most important, the most important characteristic of Jews is achdut, is unity, and it's going down the drain. That's what's happening. So it's tragic that God has to use these forty-five precious souls Pepper. to make the point to the rest of the Jewish people. You know. So what can we do, Rabbi, to try and spread? this message for people to like open up and understand what the real meaning behind this is, what Hashem wants from us. Well, what, what I would say, you know, there, there, there are things that can be done. There's an organization called the Chofetz Chaim Heritage Foundation, right? And they are, they are at the forefront. I mean, it's, it's an interesting that I inspired the growth or rather the whole founding of that organization, which I'm incredibly proud of. But you could donate some money to that organization because the priority that they have is to stop Lashon Hara. So that's one thing you could do. You know. Then the main thing that everybody could do is get yourself an English copy of Chavetz Chaim. There are many now. There are many copies. You know. Um, there is, there was, there's one called The Laws of Lashon Hara and Rechilus. Uh, it's called Dvashu Zov in Hebrew which is an excellent book, is to read that book, to think about it, and even to say it over at the table on Shabbos. You could say over one halacha, two halachas. And it would certainly be unbelievably meritorious to learn two halachas a day. Just two halachas. And there's all kinds of books in English. The Chavetz Chaim Heritage Foundation have printed so many books and other people about the laws of Lashon Hara. So I would say, learn them. That's the most important thing to encourage people to stop speaking Lashon Hara. So you have all these things you can work on. You know? Take up the cause. That's the real way to bring the redemption. If you can get the people to stop speaking Lashon Hara, you will have created cause Mashiach. And I'll tell you something interesting. Imagine when the Mashiach comes, right? Imagine... Hundreds of thousands of people are going to gather to welcome him or to see him or whatever, right? And finally, somebody's going to ask him, right, what brought you? What brought you finally? We've been waiting for you for 2,000 years because the exile of 2,000 years. The world has been waiting for you for 6,000 years. What has finally brought you? Do you know what the Mashiach is going to do? He's going to put his hand in his jacket. I assume he'll wear a jacket. 
and he's going to pull out a, a folded a letter. He's going to open it up, and he's going to begin to read all those names that have been part of the movement to stop Russian horror. That's what brought him. Exactly. I'll tell you something. Chaim brings this uh, down. Imagine if the Mashiach said, okay, we want to build the base of Migdash, right? Who wants to donate? Is there anybody, any Jew that won't want to donate, even a brick, whatever they, right, to the base of Migdash, the third base of Migdash? Of course. Who doesn't want to have your name on a brick in the third base of Migdash, right? It, it, it would be incredible how many people would rush to donate, right? Now, so the Chofetz Chaim says this. He says, you know, I'll give you a way you can donate now to the brick, right? Don't talk Lashon Hara. Because when you don't talk Lashon Hara, what happens? You remove or you enable one more brick to be laid, right, in the structure that will bring the Beis HaMikdash. And he's right. Of course he's right. You know, we don't think of it that way. You know, we think, well, when the Mashiach comes, that's when we can try to do something. No. Right now, every word, every sentence of Lashon Hara that is not spoken will enable the Mashiach to bring the Beis HaMikdash. And that is the end. That is the redemption itself. You see. Because that is the, that is the descent of the Beis HaMikdash in heaven. That itself will become physical and descend to the earth. And from there, the Shekhinah will go out through the entire planet. So there you are. The best way to do this is make a Seder or whatever, learn two halachas a day, see, of Russian horror. In fact, if you can make a class where many women attend, right, and you learn two halachas, you explain it and so on, that's an unbelievable reward. Unbelievable. Because it will bring the Mashiach. You see? That's what you can do. And if you do it with sincerity and meaning, the Rabbani Shalom will show you ways that you do not even think about now. How to increase. Because God, I hate to say it, but the Rabbani Shalom Kaviyochol desperately needs the Jews to stop speaking Lashon Hara. Because the Bosham wants to bring the Mashiach now, not later, now, for many reasons which I've gone into. You see, because the world is getting worse every day, much worse, when we take a look at what's happening with America, Europe, and so on. And the Bosham wants to bring Mashiach now, but he needs the Jews to stop speaking Lashon Hara. You see? So whatever you can do, to, to protect, to, uh, what do you call it, prevent that, is another brick that you have donated to the Beis HaMikdash. You believe that? And that's what the Mashiach is going to read. All those names that were involved in stopping Lashon Hara, he is going to read the names, and they have brought him, they have brought the redemption, and they have brought the Beis HaMikdash. And that is the end of the nightmare called the ghost. Bezat Hashem. What was that? Bezat Hashem. Correct. Okay. So, I hope. So, so yeah. We should, 
should we we should at the end of this tragedy should we feel defeated like that it's not coming anytime soon because we still have so much work to do or do we feel like it because of this they were korban that it's closer like how like i feel like it's mixed emotions well it is mixed because 45 people died i think over 100 maybe 150 people are injured Hopefully they will all survive. But even if they do, we don't know who will be permanently disabled. We don't know, you see, until the stats come out, you see. But the main idea is that, you know, it was tragic. But listen, you move on. You do tshuva. And I'm suggesting different ways that you can do it. Look, could you imagine after the Beis Amigdash was destroyed, the second Beis Amigdash, what the Jews felt? And not only was it destroyed, which is the Shechina left, right? The Romans took over. And then it was brutal. It was terrible. And all of that was basically because of Sinas Chinam and Lashon Hara. In the end, that's always what does it, you should know. It's Lashon Hara that creates Sinas Chinam. That's always what is underlying every tragedy of the Jewish people, you know. That's what it is. Look, if you think about it, the first recorded conversation basically in history, right, was between Adam or Chava, and Chava, or actually Chava, and the Satan, the Nachash. And in that conversation, the snake spoke Lashon Hara, Rechilus, and Moitzi Shemra, in the first basic conversation recorded history, you know, besides God speaking to Adam, already there was Lashon Hara, Rechilus, defamation, informing, and also Rechilus, slander. Imagine that. And that's what destroyed mankind, is the Lashon Hara of the snake. Because she believed him. He badmouthed God. If you remember the story, you know, he said, God is a liar. Why? Why? Because he doesn't want you to eat from the tree. It's not for your good. It's for his good. Because the tree is what enabled God to get his powers. Well, that's, that's pure lies. And then he said, well, he doesn't want you from the tree because he doesn't want you to rival him. So what do you think Chava says? Why? You mean that's what he did? Not because of my benefit, because of his. So all of a sudden that invokes tremendous hatred of God because she begins to think, well, maybe God is not as good as he comes across. You know, he's also got ulterior motives. So how can I respect him? That's Rechilus. You see? And of course he degraded God because he said God ate from the tree. Could you imagine in the first recorded conversation in history, you already have three of them. You have slander, defamation, and informing, right? In the first recorded conversation, we, could we believe this? You see? It's amazing when you think about that. And that's what happened. So we begin to realize that what underlies basically all the tragedies of the Jewish people, and the greatest one is that the gula cannot come, is because of slander. You know, that uh, forbidden speech. And this is why. And it was so serious in the last couple of years with the internet, with the uh, Israeli politics, 
with the anti-Haredi stance, all of that stuff. It was so heinous that God said, I need to satisfy justice now. And he did. He created an unbelievable tragedy where Jews killed Jews. Because that's what they do when they talk about Shinara. You kill another Jew, whether it be figuratively or literally. Both can happen. That's what this event really is all about. So listen, you know, I encourage you to do something, whatever you can. If you can stop Lashon Hara, then you have no idea what kind of bracha you will receive from God. Because if the Rebbein wants it so bad that he had to create a catastrophe of this size, do you imagine the reward that you will get if you allow or you prevent Lashon Hara from, you know, happening? Could you imagine... What reward because you are doing that which the Barsham wants so badly. But it's up to the free will of people, you see. Just think about that. The bracha that you will get. And the Chofetz Chaim says this in Shemir Salashim, which is also something, something uh, you should learn. Learn the Sefer Shemir Salashim, which was put out, by the way, by Dirshu. Um... um or Chofetz Chaim Heritage Foundation, yeah, what it's all about. That's the way to do it. Okay. Thank you, Any Rabbi. Any more questions? Thank you, Rabbi. Yeah, okay. Anyway, think about it. I would advise everybody to listen to this lecture. If you can, maybe it's even could die to record it. Well, it is recorded, but uh, to make a disc, maybe send it yeah, make a copy of this year and send it to uh, throughout the community. I think it would be a great idea. Because people are walking around in the days. They don't understand why this happened. You know? 100%. And I believe this is a real, true explanation. You see? So, Rabbi, if the Mashiach doesn't come on those, de- those two designated days, uh, the one in ER and the one in... Uh, I think it was um, Cheshvan, the one on your birthday. Yudal, it, Yudal it, Cheshvan, it, yeah. Yeah. It can come on any other day? No. The, the, the main thing is there are two, uh, well, I, I'm, I actually I have to give a share next week. I began with the kibbutz and the kicho. You know, yeah. what, has to, what are the steps that brings the Mashiach? But the, the Orishan can come down. The Mashiach will come down earlier. He will be here earlier than the Orishan. Because he himself is an entire preparation. He himself has to get out of his prison, his creeper, as I said. And then the Jews have to do that also, you see. So ultimately speaking, it leads, of course, to the messianic light coming down, right? But that's the Beis Hamikdash, Hashlishi. That is the third Beis Hamikdash, you see. So it goes in stages or steps. So maybe those two dates or one of those dates whoever's the Psak, Rabbi Eliezer or Rabbi, Rabbi Yoshua, whatever, the Orishan will come down then, but the Mashiach, perhaps, or perhaps another day. But anyway, he has to come earlier, because like I say, there's a great deal of preparation that he himself and the Jewish people have to go through before the real redemption starts, which is the descent of the upper Beis Hamikdash to the lower world, this world. See what I'm saying? Yes. Okay. Okay. Spread the word. 
And that, by the way, is a mitzvah. Uh, you know, if you can, uh, to make a copy of this and put it on a disc or a flash drive or whatever, and mail it out to every family in Deal or Brooklyn, who knows.